Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. How many of you in your life have met at least one person and when you initially met them you judged them you're like what an idiot that person is don't, don't laugh at me yeah i already know we've all done that haven't we and then later you find out actually they're amazing people and now what happened i couldn't judge their heart there's only one judge that knows us and that's God. Today, Pastor Mark reminds us that Jesus came to earth to show us God's love. He never looked down his nose in judgment at what hurting people were doing wrong. He influenced them with his mercy and grace. In one of his compelling sermons, he said the second most important thing to do as Christians is to love others as much as we love ourselves. And friends, when we fail to love like that, we are breaking God's law. There's only one judge, and that's the one who's able to save and destroy. We are not in any position to be that person, because we all fall short in God's sight. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 20, with his continuing study entitled, The Dangers of a Selfie Lifestyle. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. There it is. But he continues. Envy, drunkenness, wild party, other sins like these. Now, you say, Pastor Mark, is this selfie thing really a big deal? Oh, it's a big deal. Because look at the last sentence. If that becomes my lifestyle, see, if I'm truly a selfie, then God isn't leading my life. Satan's leading my life. I'll have no peace. And look at the danger. All of these things here, sexual immorality, affairs, homosexuality, lesbianism, all the adultery, all those kind of sexual sins there, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, all those things. Look at the result of a lifestyle of this. Look at verse 21. Let me tell you again, Paul's already talked to us about this before, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty powerful. In other words, I can't go to heaven with that kind of a lifestyle. God didn't save us to be selfies. God didn't save us to keep our old sinful nature in ruling us. No way. Now, when you think about that, we think that if I get, James says, if I get what I want, then I'm going to be satisfied. You were never made to be satisfied without God. Nothing you can do Nothing you can have, no amount of relationships with people will bring you satisfaction 
Only God can bring satisfaction. Now, an unsatisfied life ends up with no peace. Solomon tells us in his whole book of Ecclesiastes, he's trying to find, how many remember the song? I can't get no satisfaction. That was a sexual deal, but it's true. Without God, there is no satisfaction. You can try anything you want. Selfie, for sure, is no satisfaction. There's no peace with it. Now, so, selfie danger number two. Write it down this morning, will you? Number two, conflict with other people. It starts with me, but when there is conflict in me, I have no peace with God, God isn't ruling my life, then it it spills over into all these other relationships. Marriage, children, work, of course the church, and all kinds of other things. Now let me just say this to you this morning. It's very important you understand this. Conflict is unavoidable in life. There's nowhere you can go and go, out of that conflict. You say, well, if I'm not around people. No, you have conflict with yourself. So it's unavoidable. Conflict isn't necessarily sinful. It isn't necessarily destructive. But it can be depending on what we do with the conflict. So you can't run from a place and have no conflict. When Jesus was raising his disciples for their three years, was there any conflict with Jesus and his disciples? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I want to sit here and I want to sit here and I want to do... Well, sure. How do we handle it? That's what we're going to learn this week and next week. You can't run away from conflict. It's simply there because we're sinful people. That's just the way it is. Now, those of us that have been married or are still married, you understand selfie. What's a picture of selfishness and selfie in our marriages? It's called the TV remote. That's why many of you have two TVs in your home. I ain't sitting there watching that stupid sports thing. I'm going to the bedroom with my own selfie. And I'm going to watch that love movie. Don't laugh at me. It's exactly what happens. We have two TVs in our home. Pastor Mark, really? Yeah, I'm just like you. See, when you got married, we thought everything was going to be perfect. <gasps> what is marriage? It's a marriage of two selfish people. Can I hear an amen? Come on, come on. That's exactly right. So in our marriages, we have the same kind of thing. In marriage, we want who? Our way. We want to be in control. And when our spouse will not do what we want that spouse to do, here comes quarrels. Here comes fights. Here comes sleeping. I'm going to get pretty personal. Sleeping in the other room. Here comes people that are adults that give their spouse for days the silent treatment. If the shoe fits this morning, take it out of your mouth and put it on. We've all been there. Now, if you're sleeping in the other room because of medical condition, that's fine. But if you're sleeping in the other room because of this, what happens in our marriages when we fight, we focus on what we want and we forget the well-being of our marriage. By the way, when that happens, it spills over to our kids, our grandkids, and to all our relationships. When God designed you and I in marriage, he superglued us together. The two become one. There's no selfies allowed in marriage. 
We become one. And we are together. Marriage is a threesome. We're allowing God to control us. When that isn't happening, disaster's happening. In our world, there's one place outside the church that God designed for peace. When I'm finished with a work and you're finished with work and all the stuff that we put up with, and, and you go home, you drive in, and you open the door and you walk into the house, that place, of all places, should be a place of shalom. But for many of us, it's worse in there than it is in the world. God help us. Because our kids see that, and now what we see, marriage, no way I'm getting married. If the shoe fits, you can change. Now, the Bible gives us a very simple explanation of what it should look like. Here it is. We find it in the book of Amos. Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? It's a question, but the answer is already there. It's impossible. You can't have two selfies walking together. They're going to do their own deal. No, we weren't created to do our own deal. We were created to do God's deal. So let me ask you a question as you look at this last statement. Submitting to God and one another destroys selfishness. Not only in our marriage, in our churches, in our relationships. Maybe you have a teenage son and you're struggling with that. Teenager, come on, come on back home. Get peace in the home. If there's any place there should be peace, it should be in the home. We need shalom. That destroys selfishness, and that brings peace. And the reason we don't have it is because we're not submitted to God. Now, there's one more relationship, and it's, it's kind of outside. It shows that if I have this selfish nature, this selfish nature, pretty soon I become critical, and as a person I become judgmental. Now, let's scoot down to verse 11. Verse 11. And when you get to verse 11 you will see this, well, this picture of what really happens. Verse 11, back to our part in James, James 4, 11. Brothers, he's talking to the church, brothers, sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him or her speaks against the law, God's law, and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Let me explain it to you. Write this down this morning. Easy to explain. Uh, Selfie number three, danger. Self-righteous judging of other believers, basically other people. Self-righteous. You see, what James is saying is this. When people become to be selfish and prideful, they become self-righteous. They're the know-it-all. They're quick to criticize other people. In fact, these people eventually have no inner peace. They're always unhappy because in their life, nothing is really right. Something or someone is always wrong. And so pretty soon, because of this, what we discover if you're a person that's a selfie, you just take care of yourself and really don't care for any other people. You become very critical of other people because you're the role model. That word speaks in verse 11 that you see there speaks, it means this, listen, to speak down to a person. 
Now, why would you speak down to a person? Why would you say, well, <laughs> why would you speak down to a Because you want you to be elevated. Now, here's a danger. If I become a selfie and I don't really care what you think, but I have it all together, I'm self I got the answer to everything, baby. Here's what will happen. Your critical nature, your critical words, your judgmental attitude, pretty soon you will be a selfie because nobody wants to be around you. Who wants to be around a person that's always talking down to you? One of the things that I try to do and people say, I do okay, is when I teach, I don't try to talk down to you. I put myself in the same shoes because I am. That's why Jesus came to this earth to show us how wonderful God was. God isn't looking down on you and condemning you this morning. He's trying to build you up. And if I'm turning my life over to God, he's going to encourage me. Oh, yeah, sometimes it's going to be in my face like these verses are. So what happens? What happens to the self-judgment kind of thing? Well, here's what happens. We fail to love. And when we fail to love, we break God's law. Now, you remember... James says we break the law of God. What does that mean? Here, let me read to you. Jesus took all the Old Testament law and put it in two little simple ones. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, God knew our selfish nature. Now, when you begin to think about that, you say, well, Pastor Mark, is judging wrong? Is all judging wrong? No, not all judging is wrong. Condemning judging is wrong. But there is a role for judging in the church, spiritually. We have to do that. We're told to do that. In fact, is James kind of judging us today as he's speaking to us? Say yes. Sure he's saying, these things shouldn't be. So it's a spiritual nature. It's not against a person. It's against wrong doctrine, wrong belief, wrong attitudes. Now, look at verse 12. Very interesting. There is only one lawgiver and only one judge. Judge Judy is not the one judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge the neighbor you're supposed to love and not judge? See, with this fight falling critical attitude, I set myself up, self-righteous. I'm the judge. But James says, oh, you're not the judge. Only God is the judge. Only God is the one that knows the real motives of people's hearts. Let me ask you a question. I want you to answer it in two ways. How many of you in your life have met at least one person, and when you initially met them, you judged them? You went, what an idiot that person is. Don't, don't laugh at me. Yeah, I already know. We've all done that, haven't we? And then later, you find out actually... They're amazing people. And now, what happened? I couldn't judge their heart. There's only one judge that knows us, and that's God. He knows our hearts. How dare we try to play God? By the way, those people that you initially judged, you probably didn't tell them, but later you were embarrassed because they might be your best friend now. Ah! In fact, some of you married that person. <laughs> what a great sense of humor. Don't ever admit it. Please don't admit it now. 
I don't have time for more marriage counseling. Now, see, that's what James is trying to say to us. How dare you judge because we don't know the real motives behind people. Only God does. So here's another Selah moment for all of us. Answer this question yourself this morning. By your words and attitude, do you normally build people up? Or is your normal habit to tear people down? If you're self-righteous, if you're critical, if you have no peace yourself, you'll tear people down, and pretty soon you will be a very lonely, bitter, angry, isolated person. But if you build people up, people will want to be around you because they like to be built up. We all want to be liked. We all want people to like us. We all want people to look beyond our faults. Every one of us can be critical. We're humans. We've got all kinds of faults. But for people to build us up is an encouraging thing to do. Now, go back to James chapter 4. You're there. Scoot on back to verse 2 where we pick it up. A change in what James is speaking about. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Here's the reason. Why am I not getting what I want? You do not have because you do not ask God. So, selfie danger number four is this. You're trying to do life by yourself. You're trying to make everything happen by yourself. You're trying to see if you can't put all the pieces together, and it's impossible. You can't do life without God. So you're not going to get the things you want. Here's selfie danger number four. Ineffective prayer life. Often the reason we don't pray is we're prideful. God, I don't need to do with that. I'll just do my own deal. I'll selfie myself. Other times we don't pray because we have the wrong concept of God. We think God's is stingy and angry. Maybe some of you are new to church and, or you were in church and you were in a church and everything was always wrong and you knew God was always, there's no fun, there's no joy in life. No, that's totally a lie. Many of you think God's distant, that he's not at all interested in you. No, God says this, he's generous. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God. Everything that you have is good comes from God. Psalm 37.4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If I put God first, he'll give us the desires of our heart. Now, when you see that, the question is, well, how do I actually get those things that I want? Let me show you how you do it. Jesus gave us the answer. Here it is. We find it in the book of Matthew. Look at it. I'm going to ask you when I get down to the last four words for everybody to sit together at campuses. So if you sinful people, talking to us who are Christians, but we're not perfect, know how to give good gifts to our kids, we take care of our kids. If you know how to do that, how much more will your heavenly Father, God, give good gifts, things we want, to, here we go, everybody, to those who, who what? Ask Him. What is ask? It's prayer. Here's what you want to write. Ineffective prayer is what? Not praying. I don't have because I don't pray. I'm doing life on my own. I can actually do it. Now, when I really get in trouble, do we pray? Oh, do we pray. And we get on Facebook and we ask everybody. But normally in everyday life, we just don't pray. One of the things I want to challenge you with, one of the things I try to do, because I have the same problem as you do, when I pray for the weekends... 
here's what I'm, this weekend, here's what I'm praying for. People will come to Christ because they don't have peace. People will be saved in all of our services. People will come back to God. They're far away. And number three, marriages will be restored and healed as I'm speaking because of these words. People that have allowed the enemy to come in and bitterness and anger and families will be restored, relationships will be restored. Personal kind of things will come. I I pray that from God specifically. Now, some people will say this. I do pray, but God didn't answer me. So James tells us why. Look at verse 3. When you ask, when I do pray, you do not receive. You don't get the answer to prayer because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Here's the second part of ineffective prayer. Ineffective prayer life, wrong motives, selfish praying. James says, We often pray with the wrong motive. We we pray selfishly. We're trying to use God to get what I want. But prayer is not about God giving me what I want. Prayer is about me getting what God wants for me. Now, let me show you how it works. When you pray in the morning, I often have to go to the Lord's Prayer to pray. Because the Lord's Prayer starts like this. Our Father, who art in heaven... Who's the focus of my prayer initially? Is it me or God? It's God. What is my prayer without that? Okay, God, I had 43 meetings today. I need your wisdom. I need your help. And by the way, that new car that I'm looking at, I'm a selfie. If I don't put God first, I'm a selfie. It's all about me. No, I I need to put God first. I want to praise him. I want to thank him. And see, when I do that, Why do I not have to put my requests first? Why do I not have to do that? Because the Bible tells us he already knows what we need. No, I'm going to tell him because he wants to communicate. But be careful, your prayers, your prayer life isn't a selfie one. Now, I've discovered this. God's will is always best. Don't pray for your will. Oh, Pastor Margaret says, uh, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Yeah, when you delight yourself in the Lord... You say this to God, God, I want what you want, and he'll give it to you, because that's his will. Don't think that your will's good. No, his will's best. Now, when we come to verse 4, what if I'd stand this morning and say this? You adulterous people. (laughs) Whoa. God gave me a word of knowledge. We're going to go down the row now. Now, it could be that some of you are committing adultery. That God's already spoken to you about that. That's a sin that's going to destroy your marriage. Come on home. Come back to the home. But when James says those very words that we're going to read, he's not talking about physical adultery. He's talking about spiritual adultery. Pastor Mark started today's message with a very powerful verse found in Galatians. In a nutshell, it says that if you claim to be a believer and you continue doing a very specific list of bad things that you're unrepentant of, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. He pointed out that some things listed are easy to avoid, but others, well, that's a different story. Selfish ambition is just as bad as sorcery and indicates you still follow the evil desires of your heart. 
You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark explains that it's a common natural tendency to be selfish and critical because we're human, but that should never be used as an excuse. We're all a work in progress, and God doesn't expect us to be perfect, but He does expect us to be gracious and merciful like Him. Remember your words and attitudes should build people up, not tear them down. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Has seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh. In-